Welcome to the Chosen Brew Beer Podcast. My name's Ian McNally, and this is the podcast where guests talk the way through the six beers that changed everything. In this episode is Chloe Stanzel from Burnley Brewing. Just a warning up front, there is some mature themes and strong language. Let's get into it. Well, welcome, Chloe, to Chosen Brew Podcast. Thank you. Thank you very much for having me. It is, it's pretty exciting. The last time I was um, recording here was with Michael and Neil, and it wasn't very busy. <laughs> yeah. you, you'd not you could say dead. You could, yeah, I won't be offended if you say dead. I, I, I think that was mainly because I was here outside <laughs> of operating hours more than the fact that it wasn't popular. No, I, I remember it was during, op- like it was just on it was 12. On the, it was on the cusp. It was in the background, you can hear reggae, which is how you know I was working that day because I'm very partial <laughs> with a bit of reggae. So I just don't think we were very busy. <laughs> it's not that we weren't open, we were just shit. <laughs> well, I, I think back to then, I think there was uh, there was some stainless steel on the floor, but it wasn't operational. Yeah. There was an empty space with a table tennis, table, tennis, tennis, yeah, the, table the in the back. The saddest table tennis it, ever. It was pretty cool yeah. and sad at the same yeah, time. Yeah, it's that fine line, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> there was also uh, kind of a, a general core range, a couple of extras, yeah. and a, a little bit of uh, trepidation in terms of committing to how Burnley was going to grow over yeah. the following year. So yeah. that was in March. The episode was released last year. So yeah. anyone who hasn't listened to it, go back and listen. And then <laughs> You'll um, hear two of the most awkward people, Michael and Neil. <laughs> I think we were wasted by the end of it as well because I remember Michael coming home and just eating about $40 worth of Maccas. So I reckon, <laughs> I reckon he was a particularly... Well, Michael did confess to me that he, oh, no. he skateboards to oh, yeah. work. Does he yeah. still do that? He... No... There's two skateboards are down at the brewery now. He drives here, which is particularly lazy. That, it's not um, far, is it? Yeah, oh. it's it's about a 15, max 15-minute 15 walk, but <laughs> he's gotten particularly lazy. I don't even know where those skateboards are. Um, we did have a vision of, like, Harry, dra- who's our dog, dragging us on the skateboard. But he doesn't understand the concept of pulling us yet. It's us on the to-do list. <laughs> After he's trained to smell the ass, we're going to teach him how to drag us places. You need some sort of uh, husky or something to pair up yeah. with Harry, Ooh, maybe. Yeah, that's a good idea. I wonder if work would pay for that. I, I think it's got to be tax-deductible. Oh, hell yeah, baby. Yeah. <laughs> tax-deductible dog. <laughs> so um, I suppose that was then. Yeah. Uh, you since then um, a lot has happened. Back then, you didn't even have any packaged beer. Yeah, there was that nothing was in a baby, bottle shop, baby and time. it was uh, unsure of when that would happen, how yeah. that would happen, how it all look. Um, so, tell us a little bit about in the interim since March 2018. What's happened since? God, it's it is really weird looking back on what is essentially a year ago and seeing how much we've grown. Like, whether or not, like, we, I can't even, it's, to me, it's so weird it's still the same company because Michael and I had obviously just moved back to Australia and we weren't really sure what our place was yet in the industry, so it felt weird to um, be at the reins, pretty much, of a new company that, you know, we hadn't been in the country for almost six years. So it was weird to come back and have something that had so much potential. 
Uh, that didn't make sense. I got distracted halfway through by Neil. <laughs> <laughs> Neil walked in and caught the gaze. Everybody oh, in the room so stopped. I love Neil so much. <laughs> um, but yeah, it was it was something that we knew had a lot of potential. Was just finding the voice for it, and because um, we had such a strong pull towards obviously German beers and German style of brewing, we hadn't really discovered Melbourne yet. So you can kind of see how new we were to Melbourne reflected on in Burnley I think like Burnley was so new we were so new and we've kind of grown in a way together like um, at that time our menu still wasn't really defined our staffing was predominantly backpackers Um, our core beer range the Vienna and Pale was still there but the others were being defined we had the ESB on which was a good beer Um, and we had a coffee brown on but other than that we still weren't sure uh, what if we if we were going to can if we were going to go on the wholesale market uh, and if we did on the wholesale market how big we're going to be and it was it was so many variables that um, I think that reflected in the feeling in Burnley like there was a lot of potential but there was also a lot of almost trepidation like I as soon as I had the Burnley Pale I knew that that was going to be a beer that changed my life it's actually on my list um, but spoilers yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but I also knew that in the wrong hands, it could also just fall by the wayside. But as soon as I met Neil and Phil, I knew it, it wasn't the wrong hands in any way, shape, or form. Like, the reason I moved back to Australia is because of Neil and Phil. Like, the ability that they have to create something out of nothing, like we're sitting in what they've created, is second to none. So, Because they're predominantly from a cafe background are, yeah, and yeah. Uh, have a, a fairly healthy track record of... In, in the cafe industry yeah and then to have this project taking over what was a kind of high, high-end-ish restaurant yeah, yeah, Romulus and Remus place, or something it was called bar, and, yeah uh, in a fairly high end of town mm. um, we blend very well into the high ends by the way <laughs> they love us <laughs> look get, get your skateboard to yeah, work is, yeah. is that why Michael started, started driving a Mercedes yeah. to a <laughs> it's a shit missing but whatever <laughs> <laughs> so you mentioned the German connection yeah tell the listeners what the German connection is and why there is I mean, a German influence I I'm sure influence. everyone knows my deep personal history that's listening <laughs> um, so I moved over to Germany when I was 20 freshly 22 um, to so Michael who's the head brewer and I have been together since I was 18 because he used to buy me booze um, and when we backpacked around Germany and Europe I kind of saw the potential that um, the beer so craft beer was just taking off in Australia and he'd always mentioned that he wanted to open his own brewery and when I was 16 I thought that was a great idea so from that go from like literally the second meet, a second time meeting him I decided I was going to attach myself to that project in some way shape form uh, then we started brewing together at his home. Uh, when we were backpacking, I kind of saw the the level of craftsmanship that Germany had. So when we got back, I decided that oh, to brainwash him basically to move over because Michael's got German heritage. So obviously he's eligible for essentially free schooling. So I thought that would be the selling point of difference for us when we open our own brewery back in Australia. Um, then we stupidly found an incredible group of friends <laughs> and opened our own brewery. 
and then we moved back when um, in November two thousand no September two thousand seventeen seventeen. Fuck, that's gone quickly as well. <laughs> My youth has disappeared. It's the joy of the chosen brew, isn't it? Yes. It's an nostalgic My, that My makes mother it. is correct. It's just not using eye cream. <laughs> it's not only nostalgic, but also remember, yeah. makes you remember how old you are. What a horrible reflection. Yeah. Um, so we moved back to Australia with the intention of reopening our brewery here. Like we thought we would get Burnley up and running and then we would launch Wild Animal through Burnley. Um, mainly because for us, Wild Animal was always the answer to what was missing in our life. Like when we were in Germany, craft beer was lacking and it wasn't... Um, it wasn't overly mobile, like it was still really stagnated. And we use Wild anim- Animal to experiment to make... And Wild Animal is the brewery, yes, yeah, not, sorry. not Harry. <laughs> I wish. Um, yeah, sorry, again, niche backstory. I tend to jump around, so if you have not Googled me yet, please don't yeah. Google me. <laughs> um, oh, yeah, so our intention was to reopen here. Um, but... I remember when we were moving back, the idea that Michael and I were going to sell each other as a package was what we were planning on. So we were going to be the couple that came in, the working couple that came in and redirected in a way or recreated the beer and the brand and the sale and, you know, whatever. So when we actually got the offer to be a, I don't know, working couple in a brewery, we were pretty surprised by it. And I remember saying to Michael, like, my only concern is how heard and valid our opinion will be uh, and turns out it's quite big so I'm still incredibly um, honoured that the boys have so much faith in myself and Michael because they've taken some massive gambles on us like I never had done sales before they hired me as the only sales rep and the fact that I got to steer the sales and the wholesale element from the get-go like I've never I still to this day say to people like I'm I don't know what the fuck I did but <laughs> it must have been very they must have been very wasted at the time. <laughs> well, I, and not drugged. Yeah, well I think it, it it's a difficult dynamic when there's a relationship within uh there's there's lots of husband wife teams in, in brewing across Melbourne yeah. uh and Australia. But to come into an existing business or a business plan it can get awkward yeah, in te- yeah. definitely in terms of your voice and uh you know who you support and things yes. like and, and having your kind of professional head on as opposed to your marital head or whatever well, it is. i think as well we like we've worked together for almost 10 years now like our first job when uh, i was 14 nine months was with michael at our local bakery in Warrandyte. um so i think that's a dynamic that we've always had but it is it's something that we've never struggled with mainly because if I don't think he's right, I'm going to tell him. And if he, the same thing. So it would be a, it would be very unlike us to give each other the honest opinion. And you can ask Neil, like sometimes he's sitting in a meeting with the two of us and he's like, what the fuck, like you guys talk to each other so harsh. (laughs) But that's just how like we communicate. Like we both value each other's opinion so equally. Um, so you essentially, your relationship is communicating yes. through the medium of <laughs> roasting battles. <laughs> you fucking idiot. I'm sorry your mum was related to your dad, but you're wrong. <laughs> um, but I think it's just something that we've been very used to. And because we're so strong in different areas, um, and we've always had that relationship that's centred around beer, and uh, I don't know, it's... I, I, something that I don't think we struggle with, but maybe he thinks that. If he thinks that, he's wrong. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll, 
it takes us back to wild animal in Germany because it strikes me as uh, something only a young person could do <laughs> is go is go to the kind of the the bosom of quality yes. beer and open your own brewery. Well, it, so I've always said that uh, craft beer was born out of rebellion of like just shittiness and. If there's something Germany doesn't like, it's good beer. <laughs> so, um, yeah, on reflection, it probably wasn't the best business move. <laughs> how, how did it work out? Um, well, how did that work out? So, Because you've got these two competing things which uh, strike me as young people taking on such a venture, yeah. which is uh, how do you make it work commercially? And the second thing is, does it really matter how it goes commercially as long as you walk away intact and with yeah. a great experience? I think that was probably the most that we gained out of it. Like, So essentially what happened is we were brewing at home and taking that beer to our mates' barbecues. And um, over time it got to the point where we were craving something. I mean, you always want what we can't have. And we were craving beer that we knew existed in Melbourne. Like we could see it on Instagram, we could see it on social media. We knew it was out there, but there was no way for us to get it. So we started brewing in our like home, essentially. It was very, very ba- dodge. Bathtub. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Our neighbours did not like us. Um, and then it got to the point where Michael's sister, who works in wine, met Dr. Lawson. And we had basically decided to start doing that and the way that we thought we were going to open it up was to get a pub in Corpons where we lived and brew from there and sell from there so we're expecting to do like a smaller operation but all in-house um, and when we met Dr. Lawson who's a wine producer he gave us a space to do our thing pretty much and my grandma had given us five thousand dollars to do whatever I wanted with so I went and got some branding done <laughs> And because Michael was working at a larger brewery at the time. So essentially Michael used to go into um, the brewery and borrow permanently some spare bottles. And that's what we used. As a, we pretty much stole the bottles, all right? We stole the bottles and that's what we used. Um, so, but yeah, it was one of those things that if we, if I was to look back on it now, it's like, that's pretty much the, you know what um, Big Dick Energy is? No. It's like where like it's overly cocky but you're sure it's gonna work <laughs> that's probably the biggest dick energy thing i've ever done it's like i'm gonna make more beer in germany <laughs> which again it strikes me as something only youth can do isn't yeah. it really like i think when you you get a little bit older uh obviously um n- not talking about myself but um asking, <laughs> a friend for, asking I know. for a friend yeah, uh, <laughs> then you know you all these doubts come in and you think oh well you know yeah. you just wouldn't would never do that so but you did and I remember I spoke to you uh, at last year's memories, good, good, good Beer Week yeah. opening. And um, you were telling me about the reception of the beer from some of the clientele yes. uh, because of <laughs> one half of the manufacturer of the beer. Yeah. That- oh, yeah. What fun sexist times they were. Um, it's interesting that my, that's my association with the craft beer is having to always struggle and like having to always fight for what you believe in because that's kind of the energy that we still kind of use now um which i feel like starting from the worst possible environment of sexism in germany 
when I came here, I was like, oh my gosh, there's two chicks in the industry. Like, what a, what a progressive place this is. Like, so I think the fact that we, like, I got death threats and I had people, oh, one of my old, one of my neighbors used to come down and tell, because I was working at an Irish pub as well, used to come down when I got home at four, four in the morning to go back to brew stuff at five in the morning. So I had about an hour sleep. He used to come down and tell me I kept inappropriate hours for a girl. Um, yeah, we got death threats and people used to say that they, once they knew that I brewed it, that they could taste that a female had done it and the, <laughs> it was weird. It was a weird time. It was very, it was so backwards. Like, So so is that um, a, a thing in Germany with, around women with beer or is that a thing, a societal thing? I think it's more, unfortunately, it's more society. In Ger- I've never seen it as bad as, I had it as it is, it is in Germany. I think as well because we were in a smaller town. I was one of four foreigners in that town. My, I was just sticking it too far out. Like the death row I got was basically I was sticking too far out of my lane. So he did have a point. <laughs> I don't really agree with it, but yeah, it's, it's, it is a societal thing. Like you still see, like I get called C word very regularly on sales calls, and everyone always thinks that. Um, like, I went out for dinner with my dad the other day and they served Burnley and they went up to him and were like, oh, your beer's so great, you know, your sales are so incredible, blah, blah, blah. And he was just like, cool, thanks. Like, but they assumed that he, and my dad's a shit stirrer, so he loved it, but they assumed <laughs> that he was my boss because he was a dude. And the amount of times that I've been out with Michael and people have come up to him and saying like, oh, what you've done in a year sales-wise is incredible and like your PR presence is amazing. And he's like, Thanks. It's like, bruh, <laughs> fuck you, dude. And like the saddest thing is you ever get more than two female reps in a room, we have this like connection point of talking about the saddest thing that's ever happened to us. And it's this weird bonding thing that we have the unfortunate ability to do. But it is it is more of a societal thing. But people like, like Emily Day and Pink Boots are, are making massive strides to it towards fixing that. It's just more getting younger girls in the industry and seeing themselves in the industry like uh two birds completely changed my life and the fact that i remember seeing them in the newspaper when i was 17 or 18 they just released their pale ale at um biz Lux. and i remember just seeing like fuck like that could be me like i i could do that and that's kind of the energy that i want burnley to have like i want someone to who's you know 16 or 14 now and come past burnley and see how many females are doing doing the big shit um and realize they have a place here too now you said um that you get called the c word oh yeah is that here no no that's on that's like on sales Uh, this is gonna get depressing very quickly (laughs) that's okay i'll we'll pick it up but i just think this is i suppose one of the reasons you know we do the podcast is so i say we it's me (laughs) uh one of the reasons i do the podcast is to kind of find out information that you know we're not necessarily privy to because yeah. we don't you know as a consumer you don't you see all the the glitzy side it's very hospitality isn't it you see all the glitzy side you see all the nice bar yeah you don't see the washroom in the back which is yeah. generally awful and yeah. strip lighting yeah. and really <laughs> depressing and whatever else um you see all the shiny taps and so on mm. so this is one of those yucky areas like yeah but it's one of those things it's i i really feel like the people that are saying those things aren't almost aware or just don't give a shit like they wouldn't be the type of person that are 
unfortunately listen to this podcast if you are fuck you um but second yeah, <laughs> yeah you can fuck right off yeah um but i don't know it's a weird it's a weird spectrum to be on because i really think what people are thinking now like adults can make up their own minds there's enough shit out there for people to say like i know this is wrong xyz i'm gonna fix it but for me the the thing to do is to fix that next next wave of dudes coming through and there's even like I remember applying for a sales rep job in a brewery that remained nameless and they called me up saying, I'm not going to fit into the culture because it's, um, it's a dude brewery. And I was just like, I'm arguably, I remember looking at my resume and being like, that's a fucking sick resume. And I had my brother write it who's in recruiting. So <laughs> I was surprised at how good it was. But it's just those things like if you've, if you've I don't know, it's you fix now by making presence heard and... Um, that's why I will stand by M Day till the day I die. Like the fact that she's so vocal about these about these problems, and she really isn't afraid to bring up how uncomfortable some of this stuff is, is the reason why I'm I'm honoured to be even working in the same space as her. Like, um, what was the question? I got I got derailed <laughs> by my love of Emily. <laughs> well, no, I I think the the essence of it is you know people listening to this now who don't know that that happens yeah, you know yeah. and actually don't know how hard it can be or intimidating or unwelcoming uh, a bar can be because uh, for me i fit into a certain yes. sector of society whereas i walk into a bar and nobody's qu- nobody i never feel uncomfortable it's my territory i'd love and to be a white dude tell you what <laughs> yeah i know I, not only a white dude but a, a white dude who can read the blackboard and yeah. not feel intimidated <laughs> by it but you know uh, i don't think um if we don't understand how the person at the bar next to us feels. Yeah. How can we possibly improve it? And yeah. I think um, it's a bit when you said about when you you know you get together and you share stories. It's a bit like comedians in the green room. They they only ever share stories of bad gigs. You know, yes. it's that thing. And I think uh, a lot of people aren't privy to that, and they don't know that emotion. And that's the, very true. I never, I never, because like that's my reality. Is like people always questioning. So the I know that people are very uncertain about my place in the industry until I always have to make the connection with Michael because people get very uncomfortable with me being so I don't know so so comfortable in the world in this industry that I have to really make that connection to you know that I have unfortunately a male you know backing me or whatever or some it's some bullshit like but I really realized on sales calls if I mention Michael people don't see me as a threat which is the shit part because like I have done IBD I've done my Cicerone test and like I'm just as valid as he is but in other people's opinion it's not the same energy like I'll never be as qualified or as you know it kind of disturbs the common narrative yes. of what yeah. uh, you should look like or be like oh, yeah, or 100%. dress like and all of those yeah. things so. and like I'm very short very loud um, and I've I literally made a chart of if I mention Michael, if I don't mention Michael, and the pe- venues I didn't mention Michael to, none of them ordered. People I mentioned Michael to, all of them ordered. And wow. I did the exact same pitch, and it was one of those things where I just I went home and I was like, "That's bullshit." <laughs> See, I, I do a bit of sales in work uh, in a completely non-beer related activity, yeah. but I'm going to start mentioning Michael. Please do. <laughs> Tell you what, he's got a cute little twist. <laughs> but it's interesting how threatened people got by me being so confident um and it's one of those things it is a very very unfortunate that um i don't know it's, it sucks dick 
that I don't have. But um, I don't know. It's one of those shitty things. Well, I almost feel that that doesn't depress me. What you've yeah. ju- it, some of what you said does depress me. But what doesn't depress me is clearly the um, attitude you have towards it and challenging yeah. it and just you know carrying on and existing and people. Uh, like Emily Day, uh, who will call out online. Yeah. You see regularly, she'll call things out online. Um, it's just something I think we, we need more education on. Oh, Hopefully, yeah. podcasts like this can help yeah, yeah. Um, and talking about it. And maybe uh, we need to be more conscious of, uh, you know, everybody in the bar around us. We yeah. should be a bit more empathetic see, and forgiving. And- a, it's funny, this restaurant the other day called me in for a meeting because they wanted to open up a new venue that had a very strong female presence. And they're like, we want to work with venues uh, and companies that have a strong female presence. And she's going through a list of vendors and I'm the only female that she's dealt with. And she has like a full bar, full beer fridge and whatever. And she's like, I need, like, I actually need you to write me a list of people with breweries that have a female in it. Um, I, I don't know. It's... It's, it's, I don't know, it can only get better. <laughs> It'll take time. It'll take yeah, time. Yeah. Uh, and um, I think there's a societal thing at play as well. Yeah. Uh, hello, Australia. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> you know, that we all, you know, beyond beer, we need to all work hard to overcome. But mm. um, Chloe. <laughs> we got, we did, right? That was fucking sad. That was probably one of the best openings, if not the best opening <laughs> of the podcast. Sexism is very right? real and people voted no. How fucked up is that? People voted no. <laughs> That was a very real thing that's just happened. <laughs> this podcast was brought to you by yeah. uh, <laughs> <Queen> Victoria. <laughs> so, um, I am actually really excited about the election. Yes. I've never voted in Australia because I've always been away. I, I've never voted because I'm not uh, legally allowed. <laughs> uh, Foreign, get the fuck out. <laughs> it's, so, it's such a relief so not excited. to have to vote as well. Uh, yeah, that, know, was, that was great like, in Germany. I yeah. love not voting in Germany, but yeah. I'm excited. Um... Choice one. Oh yeah, fucking it. That's what we're here to do is yeah. <laughs> talk through six reasons yeah. to change it. Or let's change it. Six reasons why sexism is good for society. <laughs> Name one. <laughs> um, all right, so the it was actually kinda hard to pick six. There's a lot of breweries that I feel like have changed my life, like two birds definitely one. Um, but there's no real one beer from those breweries that have seemed to make the list. So suz. But um, the first one is Lefe which is um, something I, don't, I have really strong, like going through this, I realized how unique um, beer is to my memory. Like I have absolutely no problem drinking in the middle of the day. <laughs> so <laughs> a lot of these was when I, but I remember being in Paris uh, um, when I was 18 and sitting on a balcony and um, just drinking Leffy for the whole day. Like we didn't leave the balcony and we had this like little baby ones and I just remember thinking like that was my first beer that I've had that wasn't um like VB or Melbourne Bitter or some weird shit like that um sorry horrible not weird um and I remember just drinking it and thinking like I'm looking at history and I'm drinking history and that like connection between the two has never really gone away um and I still like whenever I go, whenever I used to go to Paris, I always used to drink a Lefe on the way in because it just had this incredible memory of. I felt like I was an adult for the first time as well. Like I was drinking at nine a.m., <laughs> which is probably is not adulting, but whatever. Um, <laughs> and I was in Paris, and I'd always wanted to go to Paris, and it was just the most incredible thing. Then when my dad crashed my honeymoon, and I don't 
joke when I say that. Like, he was like, where are you going? I'm like, oh, I'm going to Paris. He's like, sweet, I'll go too. And had a room next to us in the hotel. <laughs> he's a weirdo, but he's, he's awesome. Um, I had this incredible day with him when I just took him around my favourite parts of Paris because I love Napoleon. Like, he's one of my favourite dudes in history ever. And we just walked around Paris and I remember just drinking Lefe with him in every place we went to. Before then, I'd kind of lost connection with my dad. And now we were kind of building this, like, adult, genuine relationship. So I feel like Lefe has been a massive part of us just bonding as adults. And um, the day that Notre Dame burnt down, RIP, you will be, you will be rebuilt. Um, I had a Lefe and just kind of thought about how... Um, Weirdly incredible, such a simple beer has been <laughs> been in my life. And that's that. It may well be a simple beer, but yeah. I think it definitely makes you feel... It is a grown-up beer, it is, isn't it? Yeah. Because of the, the gold wrapping on the, even the packaging. Yeah. It looks old. Yes. Like, it looks like you should blow the dust off it yeah. off the shelf, <laughs> even if it's got none on. And, uh, yeah, just the way the bottle top hangs when you open it yes. with, the, with the gold wrapping yeah. on oh, as well. And well, if, I've had it from tap a couple of times, and I just haven't enjoyed it. Something about that bottle, like how it's, like, slightly curved like a bell, just has some weird connection with the bottle and if it's from pint like I don't really enjoy it as much uh, from keg I don't really enjoy it as much but it's in that bottle and it's interesting as well that uh, this you would say you, how old were you 18? 18 that you had the presence of mind to kind of savour this drink when I mean it definitely classified as binge drinking when I was doing but <laughs> well a lot of 18 year olds you know it kind of passes passes you by yeah. particularly if you're in a European city and why do you think it had that kind of visceral effect? I, or did you see lots of things? Did you listen to music and think and I have always be sentimental a about it? Or? Massive. Oh, I don't know if it's music, but um, I did a lot of art history at, uh, like art history. If I wasn't doing beer, I'd be doing something in art history. And there was something about Paris that just had the biggest calling to me. Like I've never been so, like I felt like there was a part of my soul that was missing until I went to Paris which sounds very weird but it's still I love how much of a shithole it actually is like I really <laughs> like I can I can still see Van Gogh hating it like I can understand why Van Gogh hated it um but it was something about it it was like my I don't know it was I don't know if I was listening to any music but I remember going that night and seeing um the Musée d'Orsay for the first time, which is my favourite gallery ever, which is in that old train station. Have you ever been? No. no. absolute fuck. They wouldn't let Never me voted. In. Oh my God, are you kidding? <laughs> no, no, oh. I, I'm kidding. <laughs> Admittedly, I probably made the right choice. But um, yeah, I remember going to seeing Musée d'Orsay for the first time and um, I'm a Degas, one of my favourite artists, and his kind of core stone works are in there and I just remember thinking like, fuck, like this is, there's a whole world outside of what I knew and this was just the first step. Like, I'd, I'd backpacked before. Um, weirdly, my parents let me go to Borneo when I was 16 and had no problem with it. Like, I'm one of five, so they must have been like, ah, if we lose one, we got another one. Um, so it was something about it. I just felt like this was the start of something that I wasn't sure what was going to happen, but it was the start of something incredible. Well, this sets an interesting precedence because you kind of precedent I should yeah. say is that precedent <laughs> you can say whatever you want to say it's your podcast so there is an interesting precedent uh, time of recording but we'll say precedent um, you've set the scene really well sitting on a balcony at nine in the morning drinking left yeah. <laughs> and I remember actually sorry I remember our hostel have you seen Madagascar 
I am aware of Madagascar. <laughs> so there's this little there's this little old Oma who chases away the lion with like a um, handbag, and she's looks like an onion with eyes. And that's what the lady who was running the hostel like legit looked like too. And I mean, they had two eyes stuck in it. I remember thinking, like, fuck, she's going to... Like, if anyone tries to rob us, like, we're good. Like, <laughs> she's just going to chase them all away. Um, yeah, it was really good. So with that romantic image in mind, yeah. <laughs> choice <Onion>. two. <laughs> uh, choice two. All right, so the next one is actually the same trip. So when I was 18, I went over to Europe for, I think it was, like, eight and a half months. Um, and obviously Germany's been a massive part of my life but Michael's parents are German so he's first generation Australian and I remember hearing German for the first time and thinking that is the ugliest fucking thing I've ever heard in my entire life I want to learn it and speak it fluently (laughs) (laughs) so my first ever German word was Frühschoppen which is drinking for midday and I remember getting into Frankfurt from Morocco and I had a horrible tummy bug like legit could not hold any liquid in my body um, and getting to the train station in Frankfurt and having a bit burger, and I remember thinking like, "This is what beer is. Like, how banger is this pills?" And it was two fucking euro. It was cheaper than bread, <laughs> and I remember it was everywhere. Like, I I couldn't I couldn't grasp my head around something being so commercially available that was so good. And we went to um, see Michael's family which was near a brewery called Lichia. And we had a tour of this Lichia um, brewery. And the Pilsen was so similar, but I remember just look, thinking about, like, this is going to be the the way that we make the best beer in Australia is by learning how these freaks do it. <laughs> and we did. <laughs> but they're, they're, for a German brewery, they've got this weird, really incredible mindset of buying out smaller companies and getting them to brew for Bitburger, but keeping the brewery's name. So... For example, they would buy us out and we would keep Burnley, and but we would brew for them. But nobody would know it was Bitburger. So you'd come here and assume that you'd be supporting a local uh, company, but it was all kind of Bitburger. So the city where I lived in Germany, eventually lived in Germany, used to brew Bitburger. So it's been this full circle of um, having it for the first time to um, you know seeing it being made. Do you, have you had it before? Bitburger, yeah. yeah, many times, and uh, it's it, it does. It's interesting that uh, in a UK supermarket, you'd probably be able to pick up Bitburger. It'd be, cheap, it'd be cheaper than mineral water. Yeah, as well. it's, it's fucked, kind of, isn't it? Yeah, it, it, yeah. Surprised it's not more. I mean, there probably is, and maybe I was just really blind to it. More of a drug and um, booze problem in Germany, but you're exposed to it when you're so young, and you're exposed to like the best in the world. That I feel like you're desensitized to it by the time you're. Um, you know, 18 and or 16 and you can drink. Mm. Do you want to hear a fucked up story? Of course. <laughs> so, the Irish pub I used to work, so I used to work in an Irish pub where I lived uh, in Corplants, called the Irish pub. And uh, we used to have, so in Germany you can drink when you're 16, you can drink beer. And kids used to come in and I remember seeing this dude having a Weizen in like the typical Weizen glass, drinking the Weizen but vomited back into the glass but then drunk it. <laughs> What, what a beautiful oh vessel. God. And that's why I should get into hospital kids. It's uh, character building. <laughs> <laughs> oh, fuck. So I, sh- I would bet that's not the only Irish pub that's happened in. But, oh, no, uh... 100% no. 100% no. <laughs> I feel like it's a good breaking in point for, like, youths 
Yes. <laughs> yeah, well, does that whole argument around, you know, should we lower the age? It always seems to be pushed the other way. Uh, lower the age of drinking, it's continental Europe has yeah. 16. I think it's, it's Britain more seems to have the worst problem. I think it's... Like, I, I do actually remember coming back to Australia for a holiday and thinking how weird it was how people drunk because they drink so quickly for such a short amount of time. And you're done by 11. Like, the sessions that we had in Germany, not to brag, but they used to go to, like, 4 or 5 in the morning without us even know, knowing because, like, the drinking culture is a lot different and what you're drinking is a lot different. Like, I remember having our first, like, house party here and I was like, oh, sweet, we're going to go to, like, 4. And everyone's done by, like, 10. I was like, bro, I can go home and, like... I don't know. Work. <laughs> I did. I went to Macca's and got some Macca's for work. Um, and they sell beer in Macca's they in, do, uh, yeah. as well. But the, for me, it's exposure. Like, I was, my stepdad's like a wine freak. And when we were younger, we were like allowed, you know, the smallest amount of wine, but we had to really savor it. And dinners at our place took like two and a half hours because we'd be talking about the flavor for about an hour. So the culture around bruise when I was younger was, wasn't binging, it was. What are you drinking? I think we've just got our answer to the question, oh. which was, <laughs> why did you savour it when you were 18 on that balcony? Oh, oh that's, yes. Oh that's my why. My stepdad's changed my life. He doesn't <laughs> even know. John, you're the MVP in, the, in my life story. But yeah, maybe you're right. Like, I think the culture for us when we were younger was so different. Like, even now, my, at my stepdad's 60th birthday, he arranged for this local restaurant to let him BYO, with the exception that the staff got a glass of wine. And at the end, the the lady who runs it, it's in Warrandyte, Altair, banger restaurant if you ever want to go, um, went up to me and was like, that's about $16,000 worth of wine he just had. And I was like, fuck, I did not <laughs> appreciate it. Because he just, he bought it when he was all younger. And now he's like, you know, 60. He's like, fuck, I should probably do something the other day. <laughs> and I, I just happened to ask him, I was like, when you pass away, do you know what you're leaving to us? He's like, yeah, you, I reckon you probably drunk it at our 60th. And I was like, oh, what? <laughs> I would have invoiced everyone. <laughs> Put that in the end column in the yeah. Excel. <laughs> yeah, in the Excel spreadsheet. Tax deductible. Let's go choice three. Choice three. Uh, oh, this one is a really good one. Uh, I think Michael actually probably had the same one. Um, it's a Corpens of Weizen. So one of my favorite beer styles is uh, German Weizen. Um, I'm going to start salivating. If I, if <laughs> I, I re- like, I re- like I used to almost drink one a day kind of thing. And um, there's something about it. I still love it. It's really hard to find it in Australia because obviously the brewing method is completely different. Um, but it was it, it's so thick and creamy. And I remember when I was doing my IBD course, which is like brewing diploma, I used to go to with Michael over his night shift, and he's basically like any physical element of the job of the job that I need for my exam is what I would do there. I had no idea. Like we were the only ones in this thousand old brewery and we used to go directly and like get off the tank and have it young and have it fresh and there's something about it that the way it's rolled the way that every brewery has a completely different style of bites and like still the best bites i've ever had it was in bumberg so yeah. so what is it about the process that makes it unique to each locale or, uh, or or is it ingredient based or ingredient based it? like the ratio of whatever for the corpens one it was something about it. it was not so bananary but it was kind of banana it was just so thick and creamy i think the excuse me the reason i love it so much is because we used to drink it you know every weekend with our friends sitting on their porch and i just that for me is the the true german beer like it still has that tradition behind it of 
rolling it when you pour it and pouring it into its own glass that for some reason I have 15 of if you want one please come over to my house and pick it up like trying to get rid of them is just put flowers in them (laughs) yeah I did (laughs) because they're so white it just doesn't work and I feel like I'm hoarding when I have that many flowers um you know something about it there I just have memories of like drinking it at the pool in summer and thinking like if this is what my life is I've done something incredibly (laughs) incredibly good of moving over and it's so cheap and it's an interesting beer style because I think it's great in the summer yeah pretty good in the winter yes. as well it's yeah. kind of it, because of that thick creaminess yeah it kind of lends itself well to all times of year it's, it's like light and refreshing and mm. fruity in the summer it, and the, rich that's and creamy one and beer that has translated horribly into the craft industry in germany so people will only buy it in like the 500 ml bottles and a lot of breweries try and do it in the 330 but people just don't buy it the only good example is um Someone in Munich that does a Weizen Tillmann beer in Germany, gets some Tillmann brew. Um, for some reason, it's just such a traditional brew that it's never translated over into the craft beer spectrum, even though it lends itself so easily to be like funkified, if you will. Yeah, well, one of the uh, beers that has made an appearance a few times on this podcast is Matilda Bay's Redback. Oh, yeah. Oh, that's a banger. Yeah. And I think the word wheat is kind of a dirty word in yeah. dietary terms now. So yeah. people kind of steer away that's from it. That's kind of why I like it. Because, like, look at me with my fully formed <laughs> belly that can digest everything. <laughs> it's a bit like smoking. It's yeah, like, yeah. Uh, I'm going to rebel. By... Oh, yeah, baby, look at me kill myself. <laughs> <laughs> but it's it's like the, the older I get, I suppose, as my youth leaves me, um, the more I really realized how much I took for granted my time in Germany. Like, I was reading Froth the other day and um, Kaiju was talking about going to Germany the first time and being blown away by those beers. And all the beers they were mentioning were my kind of everyday beers. It's just like, fuck, like, it seemed like such a gamble to move over there. But the experience and, like, the exposure I got to the world's greatest brewing country is... You know, somebody I'll, I, I took for granted at the time, definitely. But now looking back, I'm like, fuck, I'm so glad. And it seems a real, um, almost like victims of their own success in terms of the German um, tradition and ability and quality standard is so high yes. just in your everyday beer, which it kind of isn't in the replicated in the rest of the world. It's there's something clearly there's something special about yeah. German beer. At so high that it's almost stopped the development of the craft beer industry and or stifled it or confused yeah. it. Um, because why trust this new uh, fresh thing coming along when you know if it's not broken? When I know fix what it. I'm going to drink. Yeah. Yeah. Whereas yeah. in in Australia, for example, m- mainstream the standard the quality standards fine because no one's dying. Yeah. <laughs> but, <laughs> but yeah. But. You know, it definitely lacked anything interesting or tasty or, or fun or exciting. So how does that kind of, you know, measure out in your experience of being over there well, in terms of, the, you know, obviously Brewdog, I think, have just taken over the Stone yeah. uh, Brewery, Brewery in Berlin, which is probably the most developed the craft scene is in Berlin. But how's, how's that play I out? Mean, even, even Berlin, the energy comparative to Germany just isn't... I, like, I wouldn't classify it as Germany. Um, I'm not surprised that Stone 
want to say went under, but like went under. They waited longer for that space than they did use it. Like they waited five years for that. But when he opened, he got a bunch of local beer and smashed it. And was like, I'm finally bringing good beer to Germany. It's just like, bruh, <laughs> you suck dick. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Talk about Reed in the room. Oh my God, tell <laughs> you what. I still get really defensive over, and I have no right to be, I know, but like anytime somebody does a Pilsner, I get really defensive about it. Um, but yeah, the, the people that we were um, in the same field in, in Germany are still doing the same thing and still fighting for fighting for some sort of market share like it's definitely growing in a sense that it's not shrinking but <laughs> yeah. um, I don't know I it's just it's one of those things that I wouldn't see taking off for a very long time there because on one hand you've got um, one of the hardest things overall beer consumption in Australia is down uh, Germany you've got people who drink beer yeah. like routinely drink beer yeah. and it's their choice of beverage yeah so to get them to step over to a different beer yeah. uh, would almost seem not that hard. It's like they've all got driving yes. licenses, so they, they'll want to drive a car at some point. If you're selling cars, <laughs> then, jump you know. Jump, yeah. yeah, that is well, a, a weird um, thing. But that doesn't seem to be really happening uh, uh, in any kind of real significant way. So yeah. uh, it's, a, it's a fascinating um, kind of conundrum yeah conundrum business model whatever how do you break that whether it needs to be broken or how do you kind of reinvent it or does it need to be just left alone it is kind of those things that feels like it has to be i don't really know i i don't really know it depends how much energy you have like we had a pilsner that um was a pilsner you know germans love i mean this is what i don't want to talk about and we put a lot of australian hops in it and people refused to have it because it wasn't German hopped, it wasn't noble hopped. So I think if you have enough energy and you have enough of, I don't know, you've got to be in a bigger town, I think, for it as well. Like there's no there's no sense of supporting, which is weird, no sense of supporting local industry over there because there's no definition of what a local industry is because most breweries have like a CUB in their background that they think, uh, in their backyard that they think is a local beer, which they're right. Like it's local, you can see it. But the money isn't staying in that community. It's not developing the community anymore. There's, and the word craft in German translates to strong. So if, if you were going to sell beer over there, you would have to completely reinvent the industry and then kind of build on from there. And I don't know, it's a weird, it's a wonderfully weird place to be because it is just like, but you could say, I know I'm jumping from point to point here, but you could say the same thing about opening another restaurant in Melbourne. Like, why do we need more incredible food? I think if you've got the energy, I suppose, to kind of go against the grain, which is really hard in Germany, you can do it, but you will never really have a massive foothold. Like people get overhopped really easily. They're um, slightly scared of anything they weren't raised on because people drink the same beer from birth to death. So it is a, what was the question? (laughs) (laughs) Choice for that. I reckon we'll cut it short there. I still have flashbacks to the day that you were here and how different Burnley has become. I'm glad you finished yeah. that sentence. That's, that might have not been a positive. Nice <laughs> <laughs> it's a horrible fucking day. I've had a rash since. Um, no, I just think of how, how much we've grown in that time. It's so weird. It's incredible. Like, even our staff, how, how great our staff are right now. And like, our kitchen crew. And it's just weird that it's a venue can change so much in such a short amount of time. I think it's a huge conundrum for 
like anyone in the industry is how quickly you grow yeah growing pains yeah like and also how big do you want to get in terms of the balance between being everywhere and then becoming tired yeah. quite quickly yes yeah or being not in enough places yeah that you forget forgetting question, about. isn't it like, yeah we brew beer that we want to drink and like i sell venues beer to venues that i want to go and drink in so when I ever I'm doing a sales call and I've come to your venue, like you know that I I would drink there and I would see myself there, um, which is arguably the greatest compliment of all time. <laughs> but I just think of like the I would have really panicked. Um, I don't know I'm still just incredible. I'm very proud of how much we've grown and how much Neil and Phil has let Burnley grow as well because I'm sure it's completely changed from the business plan. And the fact that they're comfortable with that is a massive credit to them as people. Because there is a sense that in order to gain control, you need to lose a little yeah. bit of control. And I yeah. think uh, I, I think anyone can certainly uh, sympathise with a business owner who wants to <laughs> maintain complete control and kind of... Especially uh, when Michael and I are involved. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. It's like, that is yeah. loosey-goosey, baby. Yeah. What was your last uh, adventure called Wild Animal? Yeah. Oh, hang on. <laughs> We had a beer that co- was called You Do Not Respect Women and it was Trump and Merkel on the label. <laughs> you remember when Trump met um, uh, Merkel and she was like, oh, you want to shake my hand? And he was like not looking at her like a dog that done something wrong. That was arguably the greatest image of all time. So we put on a beer label and the guy's like, yeah, sure, come on board. Um, I don't, it's just really interesting because obviously this is my day to day. It's so nice to reflect on how much we've grown and like, um, I don't know, I just have so much respect for Neil and Phil. Uh, and Renton and Hopper, the other two owners, that they have kind of let Burnley become itself, and like the most authentic self of Burnley. Um, and even like the staff here, we got a new staff member the other day. I was like, the unfortunate thing with Burnley is like everyone that works here is obsessed with it. Like we work insanely hard, insanely long. And if you're not obsessed with, with it, we can sense it and we can kind of smell it out and you'll be left behind. Um, and the fact that we can kind of create this environment where if you want to be a member of Burnley, you've got to really be your best. And um, I don't know, it's, it's, it's cool that a venue that um, I moved back for has made it worthwhile. And like the beers, I'm, I know I'm biased because I sell it, but uh, the beer, every beer that we do is just like, I fucking, you know, we drink every day and I do. <laughs> <laughs> this is actually my intervention. <laughs> uh, it's, it's interesting. It's nice looking back on it because it passes so quickly. Um, I don't know. It was, very, it was a very interesting day when you came in and I remember thinking like, oh, Michael, make sure you mention Wild Animal. So when we launch Wild Animal, we've got a, you know, a background behind us. And the fact that I will literally die here now, has, like the fact, I don't know. It's, it's just beautiful. Yeah, really? I, I think... Um the industry moves so quickly yeah. that it's sometimes hard to stop and reflect. Yeah. I think that's kind of almost the sweet spot of this podcast mm. is to stop and think and reflect and appreciate as well and, and say thanks to 
you know, the times that went well, the times that didn't yeah. go so well. And actually think, you know, appreciate where you stand now. And perhaps, you know, in a year's time, I come back and maybe interview someone. Fight ring. <laughs> maybe say, you know, why did Chloe get sacked? Yeah. You know? <laughs> she was stealing money. <laughs> what did she do? <laughs> so, yeah, that's the interesting thing. I don't know. It's it's just gone so quickly as well. And because this is really the hub of who we are as, as a company, really. Like, I invite venue managers down here because I'm so proud of, what this venue is and what this venue has done and I'm always so proud when I get to introduce them to Neil and Phil because they're you know the true guys that have let this all happen and they're um, very good ambassadors for the brand are, by yes. just being themselves yeah. yeah Neil is legit the love of my life uh, <laughs> I love him so much <laughs> but it is like but he they, doesn't skateboard to work he so he could I, I'd give him the skateboard to do it um, yeah I don't know it's just I was thinking the other day like it's so weird that people who are essentially in charge of Michael and I uh, appreciate us so much and I, I know a lot of my friends like absolutely hate their bosses and would never want to spend time with them it's like my idea my dream afternoon would be drinking with Neil and Phil <laughs> because like I I always think like uh, the days where I hate and I have no motivation I will literally just call Phil because the energy that he has and the pure love for Burnley that he has is like unrivaled like he he's he would literally die for the pale um and i think that's pretty incredible that a boss has that energy because this is again there every day and they've never succumbed to um being bored by it i suppose well there's always something going on so yes. like look let's stop this burnley loving yeah. and move on <laughs> to that please don't buy me i would have nothing <laughs> <laughs> Burnley is actually one of my beers, which is going to sound very ingenuine, but it's a fucking banger beer. So. Well, let's do choice. All right, what's, what are we up to? Four, choice right? four. My next one is Guinness, because uh, I used to work in an Irish pub that was, now looking back on it, it was a pretty rough venue, but it was opposite of Brothel. <laughs> and it was named the fourth best Irish Ooh. pub outside uh, outside Ireland when I was working there. Do you think the people in the brothel said, oh, God, there's an Irish pub over the yeah. street. <laughs> yeah, what a rough place to work. And looking back on it, I realised how rough it is, how rough it was. But it was just like the that was the first job I had in Germany. And um, can we name check the pub? Yeah, it's called Irish Pub. That's it. I'm not fucking That's... with you. It's Irish Pub in Corpens. Everyone, anyone want to go? It's in Corpens. <laughs> um, probably got, and it was just one of these places that uh, I remember going in and handing him a resume. And the guy was like, "How quickly can you?" drink a Guinness and I was like watch me and I scalded that second and um, ever since then it's just been one of my favorite beers RSA <laughs> yeah. Germany doesn't have an RSA like it's it's a fucking wild west over there um, <laughs> and I remember even the bartender at, uh, um, I remember him drink literally sculling a whole bottle of Jägermeister vomiting into his hand and swallowing it back a lot of these stories of vomiting and swallowing them back it seems like <laughs> That's a theme. A theme at this, <laughs> yeah. this Irish pub. It's, it's, it's my fantasy. Um, but yeah, it was just one of these beers that I've still always just, every time I drink it, I just go back to working there. And um, we went to Ireland for a Christmas party and went to the brewery. And I just remember how, I don't know, I really, I really, really liked working there. And what is it though about Guinness? Like it, it, it's, it's a special so beer for so many yes. ways. And it's a terrible beer oh, as yeah, well. It's pretty chill now. But. <laughs> Why? I am a massive stout fan. Like the stout you're drinking is inspired by uh, 
Guinness. Most most of the darker beers that we do here are inspired by Guinness because like the creaminess of it is something that is almost second to none. Like the beer that we've done with the Mill House, it's pouring both here and at the Mill House. I've got a five hundred dollar bet with the venue manager that we're going to sell first, so please come by here. Um, it, yeah, it's just one of those beers that is something really homey about it, and it crosses across a lot of seasons. Like you can drink it in winter, you can drink it in summer. Um, and I reckon I probably had one a day when I was living in Germany, which is a very bad reflection of my life. But um, uh, we, my German friends, first time they had Guinness was coming to the Irish pub, and that was the first time they'd ever tried anything other than Weizen and Pils. So having this like creamy authenticness, and that was again another version of history, just of history that I wasn't living in or I wasn't seeing at the time. And when we went to Ireland, I really just kind of felt like I was living living history and drinking it again and I think a lot of beers that have that authenticness about them is what really changes my life um, and the Irish pub where I was working was the first venue to buy wild animals it was the first venue to pour my own beer it was also the first venue where I kind of got free reign like they supported us no matter what we did and it was pretty rough so if you ever got a complaint against you the person making the complaint, complaint was banned for life because they just fully believed and fully supported the um, staff, which is kind of an energy that we, I've always wanted to create back in Burnley. Like, I was working there a year and a half now, still the newest person. Like, the the change from staff member to staff member was like we the average work time was like six years. So I've always wanted to create that energy back here of having that homeliness and like we've always got your back kind of vibe. But let's be clear, as much as. You- the oh, management okay. will will back the staff. Yeah, you do welcome feedback. And com- oh yeah, yeah. Please, <laughs> please, 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 people are not going to get banned for life. But for- even like, the, like, oh yeah, that you um, just maybe for a couple of weeks. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> even the the shit that we got away with because the hospo world in Germany isn't formed. Like, there's no like in Melbourne. If you have bad service, you'll never go back to a place. Even if the food's the best place, it, food's the best food you've ever had in your entire life, you will not go back if, you, if there's bad service, right? But in Germany, there's no hospo energy. There's no hospo love. Like, you sit yourself at a table and you have to wave somebody over. And I remember people used to have this really annoying habit of when it was time to pay, um, saying they didn't understand me, they didn't know what I was talking about, I hadn't given them a drink. They basically made me question my German, and I was fluent at the time. And there was something about the crew was so tight that somebody would literally be behind me whenever that, like they could sense it was going to happen and they'd be behind me saying like, you know what she's saying, give her a nine euro now or fuck off. And I remember one time somebody grabbed my essentially muffin top, you know, like that person. And the (laughs) chick Stella had a tray and literally just whacked this dude over the over the head and was like get the fuck out now before I rip your dick off actually my first day there my first <laughs> shift if, if that if that was the tagline for the pub you know welcome to the Irish pub we'll rip your dick off <laughs> it could have actually first day I was there somebody whipped their dick out on the counter Stevie who was the manager of this big Irish dude grabbed a Guinness glass and tried to smash this dude's dick but he whipped it off in time <laughs> and the glass just shattered in his hand and at the time I was like fuck me like how desperate am I that I need to work here? <laughs> but I remember coming back to Australia to see my grandma before she passed away. And she was asking me what was my favorite beer. And I was just like, oh, at the time it was Guinness. And she's like, are you pregnant? Because that's what I used to drink when I was pregnant. I was like, fuck, pregnancy's got a bit of appeal to me now. <laughs> yeah, apparently on the National Health Service in the UK, you got a bottle a day. Fuck. 
for, for the later stages oh. of pregnancy and after the birth. Prime, prime of life. The s- state-funded Guinness. I mean, I this that. is the utopia, isn't it? Uh. <laughs> but with, with, that, like, with that in mind, every beer that we've created stout-wise has always had a link back to, for me at least, back to Guinness. Like the cre- Even the, the, the brewery that is so established that is still trying to do innovative stuff like with the widget or with the um, boring thing they had this thing where it was like, shooting gas at the bar I don't really know what it was but the brewery has like the fact that they were pouring so much money into something they didn't have to was something that I found really cool well the widget's in a can the draft Guinness can which is when you open the can it activates the plastic widget which has nitrogen and beer in then when you pour it out I mean that kind of experience that you could only previously have got in a pub yeah that's probably the most impressive innovation in Packaged beer. Oh, 100%. For, for I don't know how long, for the last, probably since, since then. Cans, yeah, really. yeah, yeah, exactly. I, I'm, it's I'm, extraordinary. I'm and the totally theatre behind it is fantastic, and the just everything about that process. Yeah. And Guinness is the leader of that. And obviously, now you can buy, you know, other poor beers like Tetley's yeah. Smooth Flow <laughs> or Boddington's, all use that same. Um, yeah. Was well, there inspiration behind our coffee brown as well? Like we wanted to have a Guinness style thing. Obviously, nitro's um, in suspension in the can, so we don't have the widget because we wanted to be a little bit more environmentally friendly. But the fact that the brewery doesn't have to do that stuff—this is what really impresses me about craft beer or commercial beer. The fact that the brewery doesn't have to do that but chooses to is what really excites me about the industry. Um, and I think Guinness is one of those places where if you go to the brewery, the it's got this old really cool have you been mm. the old really cool like history area and then you go through like the sense of deprivation and then you get like sprayed in the face with like gas it smells like <laughs> chocolate or whatever <laughs> like that to me is really exciting and like takes beer from this everyday thing to an art form and the fact that you can take this you know art form home with you and show your friends and you know make it a fucking maraca if you want to that's the thing that i really like about guinness and did you know that it tastes exactly the same oh, in australia good. as it does in dublin I don't believe that. Well, you're, I remember- you're, you're a sales rep. Come on, you've got to believe really it. You've got to believe like it. I feel like that's bullshit. Uh, I'm going to call bullshit on that. But it is. You can listen back to uh, Cassie O'Neill's yeah, episode. Yeah, the water and, uh, is so yeah, different. Like yeah. it's brewed with the ones that brewed in Sydney. No offense, Sydney, but your shit um, is so bad. And uh, like that is something that I will pride myself on. Is like I've got an incredible palate. But first time I had Guinness here, I was just like, why the fuck did I leave Germany? <laughs> this is so shit but the guinness at um the drunken poet is really good i'll, I'll give that's that. a pub in north melbourne it is yeah. yeah just outside the, the queen Market. markets yeah 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 highly recommend that place that was also named the i think it was the fourth best irish pub outside ireland the same time we were <laughs> which is a uh, you know place by my band drunken poet. <laughs> let's go on to choice five okay so this is a little bit niche it's the breeze saison by wiper and true so when we were living in Germany, really our only oasis was London. Um, like we, I think for maybe four years, I didn't speak English to anyone, you know, on my day to day. Like I, it was all German. So when we went over to London for the first time, it was this oasis of like multiculturalism and food and beer. And we went to the London Craft Beer Festival. And I remember having this saison that was so different to the everyday. And we we're just about to launch Wild Animal then so different to the everyday beer I was having in Germany and the sales rep was female and I just remember thinking like fuck I still think to this day like that brewery has no idea how much it changed my life but it did like the 
this this way that she was just obsessed with the beer that they were doing and the flavor balance was incredible the branding was amazing as well and i still always think like i just don't i want to do my dream would be do it doing collab with them like making it full circle like that but the saison was so it was so heavy on the coriander and it was so fresh and it was so good i'm salivating fucking hell chloe you're like um <laughs> It was it was incredible. If you can ever find it, it's Wiper and True. They've got beautiful branding. Um, and at the time, because obviously we were, we were developing Wild Animal then, there was, there's no importance placed on branding in Germany. It's all really functional and it's all very like like what exactly what it is and we were spending spending so much more so much more than we uh, had assumed on branding um, and to see Wiper and True in its fully formed identity was incredible and their social media is great as well but they were one of the first breweries to really come out in support of like International Women's Day being um, translated into the brewery world brewing world um, yeah I still salivate over that beer great day great day in London <laughs> But I just remember drinking and thinking, like, this is this is how beer can change the world. And can you remember what time of year it was? It was August, August the 6th. Nice. Yeah. I'm actually hoping to go over this year to go to the festival again with my friend Willsabelle from Crafty Pine, who doesn't ever admit that we're friends, uh, and Michael, because we've got to go to Germany. But I would love to go back and just see them again, because we, we went back every year since then uh, when we were living in Germany and had it every time. And I just remember thinking, like, every time I have it, that connection of me realizing that this is an industry that I could be in and I could change it's still there like I still every time I see the branding I've got a sticker on my mirror so every time I wake up I see it I just think like one day somebody will have a Burnley sticker on their mirror and think like oh so sad Chloe uh, burnt down Burnley and <laughs> such a great brew and so sad that she was a freak and really into conspiracy theories but whatever <laughs> well that's a great choice um, and, and also one that I don't think it's come to Australia. Um, mm. I don't think there's. You have to go to the source or nearby yeah. to, to get it. And um, I think that we've taken us on a very, very nice journey. I, I love how kind of emotionally impacted you, you seem by. Yeah, the different that's, beers that's, and that's a really that's the thing. Sorry to interrupt. Yeah, that's okay. the, but I'm talking now. Yeah. <laughs> that's the well, thing it's that my I. Podcast. Yeah. <laughs> Um, and that's sexism in the workplace. <laughs> uh, that's the thing I really realised doing, like reflecting on this, is like my obviously how much Burnley has grown and my intense love for Burnley, but also the c- emotional connection that I've had with uh, realistically an everyday product. Um, and it's been nice to reflect back on the positive memories that I have with beer that I sometimes just don't even think about. Like the saison that we've done here and the saison that we've done for. Um, uh, what the fuck is coming up? Good beer week. Jesus, Chloe, your brain's already broken. The week hasn't even started. <laughs> um, is really impacted by that authenticity that um, Wife and True had in their saison. So. And marketing, something yes. that Burnley seemed particularly good at in terms of consistency, colour schemes. 100%. The uh, coffee brown is a really good example of how to remain consistent whilst have a twist on... Yeah you know, turn a brown upside down type of thing. <laughs> and the, the sticker that went with it as well. I think there's so many people out there brewing really great beer and have maybe have an expectation that if you make great beer, you'll sell it. Oh, no, and I say bad beer sells for a very good reason. And that's branding. <laughs> um, it's and true, good beer it? doesn't yeah. sell because of shit branding. And that's so true. I remember seeing somebody brought me over froth um, to Germany. And I remember seeing the matriarch in the first page 
and that's when we were thinking about coming back for a holiday and I just remember thinking like if that can exist in Melbourne like I'm so excited by what else is out there and I think co-conspirators is one of those people that have incredible branding um but yeah Burnley's our designer Miriam is incredible like the Vegas thing can be turned into this fully formed idea so the fact that she kind of sees Burnley from the outside helps everything's on brand everything's um in a way gender neutral there's a lot of gender neutral colors there and we've gone for an idea that a lot of breweries haven't touched on which is like that simplistic color scheme and it's really authentic to who we where we are in the area like you know you can see these great these greens across the river you can see pink i don't know somebody's cheeks <laughs> fuck i don't know um <laughs> i don't know but yeah that's the thing that i always say about burnley is the intersection between germany and melbourne like the the style and um the education behind our beers is similar to germany but we've got that funkiness and that innovativeness that makes melbourne melbourne um, so especially that coffee brown is probably the best example of that. That's a fucking banger beer, isn't it? You know Phil roasts that coffee himself? Yeah. That's so, Yeah, so um, it seems a beer style that's not well represented. Yeah. There's a lot of people who say brown ale doesn't sell. Uh, it's it's excellent. It's just what what I wanted yeah. every time <laughs> I've drank it. <laughs> so. See, I think... I, I don't agree with the X thing doesn't sell. It's mm. either your sales rep isn't selling it or, you know, it hasn't been communicated to how great of an idea it is. But, yeah, we wanted a lot of our beers, the core of them in styles that haven't been fully represented in the marketplace in Melbourne yet, I would say. Like, the the brown ale is done in a really innovative way. We're doing that ESB when we first opened. That was super, super innovative. Even the Pilsner, like, it's super authentic. It's brewed to the Reinhardt but it's got a fuck ton American hops in it. So it's that mix of things that were ne- neglected coming into little baby Burnley's arms and we're giving it a new home for. <laughs> it's about, that's the exciting thing though, isn't it? Is that, um, you know, having this uh, crossover of having Michael who is, you know, did as effectively as apprenticeship training in, in Germany, which has very strict kind of way of life. <laughs> yeah, they got, one, they got one or two strictness there. Over there. And you know, and putting spins on it and mixing yeah. it all up. And hopefully you do get to do that uh, collaboration with Wiper and Shrew. Fuck, I hope so. Uh, I'm going to get really wasted one time. I know it. I'm just going to miss it. You know, I got tickets to the Spice Girls. Sorry, I'm actually going to London very soon. You got tickets to the Spice Girls? <laughs> this is why I make the podcast. Oh. <laughs> yeah, I'm a weird. Uh, I yellow very hard in weird ways. And yeah. I was going to London. Oh, I was seeing Spice Girls. And then I was asking someone, like, oh, how much do you think too much is to pay for a ticket? And she's like, you don't have to go to London. The ticket isn't going to be an expensive part. It's getting to London. And Neil's definitely forgotten that I'm going in, like, three weeks. <laughs> I'll tell him when I'm leaving. How many tickets do you have? I have two. You have to be very, very careful about having two Spice Girls tickets because very easily two can become one. Is that the best thing you've ever said in your entire life? Because I, I, I think, think it might be. I think so, yeah. Your life speaks. Congratulations I, to Burnley Brewing. I thought of it and I thought, definitely, That's Ian, good. don't say this out loud. <laughs> this now is, I'm into it. This is recorded. <laughs> so, so, choice six. Your gravestone can be like an innovative thing when you've got like press play for Ian's best clips and this. Uh, I'm going to be featured on your gravestone. You don't even not it'll just say Ian McNally uh zigzagar yeah. <laughs> <laughs> shit you should change it name um what did you say six, six. six yeah. oh it's actually the Burnley Pale which is seems very 
um, obvious. But I remember having that pail when we'd just moved back and having it here when it was still the tap system from Romeo and Remus. My first thought was like, fuck, that's a cold beer. Because <laughs> uh, obviously the tap system was really cold. But it's kind of the beer that's launched, you know, a thousand sleepless nights <laughs> for Michael and myself. It's, it's a fucking banger. It's, I don't know, it's... I always think like how great my life was in Germany but every time I have that beer I'm reminded why I came back like it was featured in Attica and um, the Knot Hotel which is Neil and Phil's local pub in the same week so the fact it's got this weird versatility to me is what craft beer is like it's everyone should be able to drink beer and Burnley's kind of at the forefront of making super approachable beer for everyone um, and that we've only made one slight change to that parallel and it's uh, the hops that we use but I don't know it's just one of those beers that I have every week and I always think like it was worth it it was worth moving back for it's great beer to sell yes but hard to stand out yes oh my god Ian you were blowing my mind with these fucking clients <laughs> anyway, it is it is one of those things that it um because obviously that's our main priority is getting that on tap but everyone does pay ale but um I I so I used to run beer school here and we used to have pale ales and get like four other ones and compare it. And people would always drink Burnley without knowing it's Burnley. And think like, what's the best pale out there? And it's like, because we put a lot of wheat in the malt build, so it's a little bit creamier and it sticks in the mouth a little bit longer. It kind of has this ability to to stay with your memory a lot longer. And I, um, there's something about it. Like I uh, obviously have a dog who's the reason I live slash half my personality because I'm actually a very boring person and we but that's coming across (laughs) (laughs) and we uh uh, hang out at our dog park quite regularly and we give the underfills to our neighbor Lorraine and I've started this like weird local community uh beer school just based off this parallel so um I always think like looking I was with them this morning walking dogs and there was one point where we just broke down laughing and we were crying with laughter and I was thinking like fuck I've made these friends who I've ne- I would have never made that are essentially my neighbours over there <laughs> and that is the reason you should drink when you're young kids but it's just this, this <laughs> it has this weird ability to cross over for people who have never had craft beer before independent craft beer it's this beautiful way of being introduced to what quality and what love is and for people who are craft beer aficionados, it's a great way to remind yourself of why Parallel has taken over Australia. Like, it's just one of these beers that I will be drinking and I will be selling to the day I die, which is right now. <laughs> Suicide pack. <laughs> um, but, yeah, it's for the amount of, like, weird beers I drink in a day, like, I always just think, like, oh, I can't wait to go home and just have a Burnley. Luckily, I get it for free. So. <laughs> that is definitely But my mum my mom had it for the first time and really actually validated me as a – it validated my role in this industry. She's like, yeah, it's not bad. I would definitely have another one. I was like, oh, that's the best compliment you've ever given. Don't parents have a wonderful way oh, yeah, of understatements? <laughs> well, <laughs> even my dad. My dad is a bit of a gypsy, like floats in and out of Melbourne. The only time I ever know he's actually in Melbourne is when he's sitting at the bar drinking pale ale. <laughs> he won't tell me. He'll just rock up and start eating the seafood linguine and drinking pale ale. <laughs> what, a, what a signature move. Yeah, I know. Is. Bold move. So uh, a snack and a receptacle to drink these out of now, I remember yes. from the um, e- episode I did with uh, Neil and Michael, uh, I don't think either of them uh, understood what a receptacle was. Is that a glass? So yeah, a vessel, a 
a glass. I didn't judge them for it. But I the would. Fact that I, I mean, I would. The fact that I remember <laughs> it and thing. have brought it up again is probably a measure probably of that. Yeah, speak, it probably speaks particularly true to them as people. Um, <laughs> my favourite, actually, this tulip glass is my favourite to drink out of. There's something really satisfying about hold, holding it with a little bit of stem. Um, my absolute favourite is Weizen because I feel, oh, fuck, actually, have you been to Moy, Moyleja? It's the... You know what the, I'm about, yeah, the place in the city. Yeah. yeah. You can drink beer yeah, out of horns there, which is sick. And you can do um, whiskey shots through bone marrow. See, I'm vegetarian, you see. So oh, well, how it's about you go? You go with me and I'll drink the bone marrow. <laughs> 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 I'll eat the bone marrow, then you can have a shit. Um, <laughs> yeah, but it's sick. You can drink, you drink through bone marrow. Because that is, like, is this Scandinavian meat place? Yeah. Is it? yeah. 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 So when we move back to, I know this is completely off track, but. That's pretty much how this podcast has really gone. Um, when we move back to Australia, we decided that we're going to eat our way through the alphabet country-wise. Um, so we've decided to um, we decided to scout the place before <laughs> before we took our friends there. It was sick. You could eat. The, I felt so powerful. I felt that's what it must be like to have a dick. But it was sick drinking food. Viking. Yeah, thing. yeah. I was yeah. like, oh yeah, maybe that's yeah. that's something in my soul that's alive <laughs> right now. So idealistically, a bone, but. Uh, yeah, I do really like a tulip glass. Like I like the, uh, it kind of is super versatile. There's something about holding it in, a, in your hand that makes you feel quite good. Um, and my ideal snack is cheese and onion chips. I fucking love cheese and onion chips. This is an Irish brand called Tato. Yes, I know Tato. Do you really? Yeah, oh, absolutely. Oh, so good, so bad for you. Um, but yeah, they're, they're my fa- one of my favorite foods in the world is the the t- all the lamb ribs here. The lamb ribs are banger, but obviously, I'm not going to rub in the fact that you're not veg veg. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that you are veg. Wait, I, I can tolerate it being <laughs> talked about. <laughs> no, Ian, no. Um, yeah, the the salt and vinegar. I'm such a. I don't really have a sweet tooth, but the salt. I'm addicted to salt, and salt and vinegar chips are so good and they're so pungent. Like I remember. Um, so I used to have to ride home from the Irish pub. I always just have a pack in my bag. Um, and I used to come home and stink, like stink of smoke, because you can smoke in the pub. Stink of smoke that I've never smoked a cigarette in my life or whatever. And I just used to stink of cheese and onion. And I remember Mike would just being like, oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that was gagging just for yeah. those people who need a visual or whatever. I, I thought it was Michael trying to get, you're the one for me oh. out. <laughs> but he just couldn't manage it. Um, but yeah, cheese and onion, still my favorite. I think cheese and onion tatoes is perhaps the greatest snack we've had on no, the show. No, in my, in my I opinion. Agree, I agree. But tatoes. Let's both be biased. Tatoes have a special tatoes place. Tatoes banger, aren't they? For me. So. I actually sleep in a tatoes top. <laughs> I'm not shitting you. I'm just like, <laughs> Does it rustle like the packet? I wish. Oh, fuck, I wish. That would make my life. Foil wrapped in bed. Yeah. So that <laughs> seems very, very strange. And that's why I'm alone. <laughs> well, tell us uh, a little bit about uh, this episode comes out on Tuesday of Good mm-hmm. Beer Week. So those people who are listening in real time, um, my favorite people, um, <laughs> tell them what's what's happening at Burnley for the remainder. Shit. There's never been a week that I've hated being the only salesperson, but this is the week that I'm a bit nervous about it. <laughs> um, so we've, we're launching the lactose and vanilla mango IPA that tastes like a, a Reese. We're releasing that at, Pod, uh, at, fuck, at Fisher's Tuesday night. Um, That's in South Melbourne. Yeah, oh, South yeah. Melbourne. And then Wednesday night, I think, actually we've got nothing, but I'll be at uh, East of Everything having the Smoked World IPA. Um, 
Actually, Tuesday night, I'm seeing the Teske Brothers, so it's a nice little, like, dink. Um, and then Thursday, oh, is the ARBAs? Are you on the ARBAs? There is uh, a chance that the shows in Broome might be... No. Wait, what are you going to say? No, I don't know. Oh. <laughs> I'm, I'm the go- there was too much. I couldn't handle it. <laughs> I'll be there for the uh, for the Friday, the industry afterwards, where you get to taste all the beers that one. Oh, is that a Bidlox? I don't know where it is. Mystery. I'll have to double check. Like yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah. Finding my way there won't be a problem. It might be finding my way out of there. Might might be there. Oh, because you have a you have a normal job, don't you? I do, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> a non-beer related job. I am a civilian. Yeah. <laughs> Can't relate. Um, uh, but yeah, Neil and Phil got me a ticket this year and didn't get Michael one, which is arguably the best power move ever. But they eventually got him one. Um, uh, you got a bit of a contest with Green Man, we do. Uh, yeah, which is the it. vegetarian pub. Yeah, which is great for it. Have you ever been there? No. Oh, you'd love it. <laughs> I really you should go it, to yeah. support um, it. So we decided to, oh, I decided to work with, them because the bar manager Lauren is um you know I shouldn't have favorites but she's one of my favorite people to deal with and it's predominantly a female venue as well and we were yeah we've got a saison off so their saison's reluctantly incredibly good <laughs> so I'm a little bit worried <laughs> no. so we've got the results party on Saturday the 18th um so I'll be there if you want to come have saisons so we've done a so yeah it's two saisons but the thing I like about saisons is how completely different they are um and ours is lemongrass and pear and it's about three percent and theirs is a seaweed and yuzu so it's like quite tart and citrusy and it's like five percent it's actually really good sounds exciting don't let the seaweed put you off let's say uh you know, in terms of Burnley for the next year, if I come back in a year, uh, hopefully after I, I leave, it's so long. Down. <laughs> but what what would you hope to kind of see? That's the weird thing. I was thinking about this the other day, but if I was to, if you were to ask me a year ago where we were, I don't think I would have ever pictured where we are in mine. I think we would have, I would have envisioned maybe where we were in November. Um but this year we'll have our first range of limited edition cans. So we're releasing our Gabs beer. We've got about 250 slabs, super, super limited edition. It's banger beer. Um, and so we'll have two limited edition can releases and we'll have maybe four limited edition keg releases. So we'll do about 50 kegs. Um, fuck, a year though. I would like to be planning our next... What about four weeks? Okay, yeah, four weeks. I would <laughs> like to be easier. planning our next industrial brewery because I'd like to have outgrown where we are. I'd like to be in like three, four hundred venues, maybe. I'd like a husky to be able to pull me to work. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I, like, I would just really like to be kind of where we are, just extended. I don't know. That's a fucking hard question. Where do you see Burnley? Because that would be interesting. It will, interestingly, when I did the Ale of the Time podcast at the end of the year with Will Will's yeah. Bell, and Burnley was the one that we decided was the brewery for the one to watch. Yes, I couldn't believe that. Uh, I was listening to that on the tram. So, I had to call Will. I was like, am I having a stroke? <laughs> or did you actually say That was the coolest thing I've ever heard. So we are watching you. Oh, no. <laughs> so, um, and yeah, I, I suppose the authenticity thing is important. I think yeah. when... When there's growth, there's always a threat that you lose a sense of who you are yeah, or definitely. the authenticity, you lose the essence. And so that's, I think, is probably the thing that's the most. But I think because you've got your home and the venue 
and it's such an approachable venue it's it's clearly all about beer but i yeah. think if you just walked in as a civilian off the street you wouldn't necessarily think it was all about beer oh, because it, you know despite having the tanks and stuff it's just a nice place to be so i'd love to see more of that experimental more of the collaborations um yeah more exposure and more kind yeah. of getting into bottle shops sick and clubs actually lined up so um because obviously we do have such a it's a weird kind of um conundrum to be in because obviously we've got such a strong core range but most people want new and fresh, like not new, um, yeah, fuck, like new and on trend, whatever. So we've decided not to kind of pursue that route, but if you are a venue that we work with, we'll invite you down to do a collab with. So we've just done another collab with Millhouse, um, and we've got, we did one banger, one virus K that was a pineapple um, IPA that was oh, so fucking good, but we've got some banger um, uh, collabs coming up for us, the idea that. It's competition is bullshit. It's all about collaboration, making ourselves a community that supports each other. So I would like to have this community where people have, you know, worked with us and enjoy yeah, our authenticity and I'd like not to have murdered um, anyone. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think... TBA. <laughs> Chloe, that is... Uh... That's an invitation, isn't it, for any yeah, anybody challenge. in the industry listen, <laughs> listening to, uh, you know, get in touch with you. And... But I would also like to have inspired people to get into the industry in, in different levels um I, it's, it is really a weird question having a year because that yeah being named brewery to watch was the coolest thing that's ever happened to us which probably tells you how lame my life is but um for for our efforts to be acknowledged on such a an amazing level was something that we never thought and because we do brew for ourselves we brew beer that we want to um, drink and we want to share with people which is kind of why everything is so good and everything is so genuine because we wouldn't do a beer that I wouldn't be comfortable talking about um, it's it was weird being acknowledged on such a big level when there's so many other breweries doing incredible things um, so I would like to still be kind of the brewery where people are turning to and seeing what we're doing rather than um, you know, following trends, I'd rather just stick to the road that we've kind of already path for ourselves and continue down and steep, keep doing some weird shit, but also approachable shit. And <laughs> it seems to have worked so far. Yeah. You're yeah. doing all right. It's that fine line between what they absolutely fucking <laughs> All right, I'll try. <laughs> well, thanks so much for talking us through your no, six beers you. that changed everything. So it's me. been a, a great journey and cheese and onion tatoes. I mean, that Dang, is right. absolutely very my day. So um, I was actually going to try and get some and then I got here and I was like, ah, oh, fuck, I forgot to do that. But I'm going to do it. Yeah. But I do actually want to thank you for having me. Like, it's it's incredible that I'm in a position where I can, you know, but that people care what I say. So it's very amazing that you um, didn't socially block me from the first time I met <laughs> you then. <laughs> um, but no, it's, it's always great to be, um, I don't know, seen I suppose and that's what's great about this podcast is you tend to see people that um, we tend to forget like there's a lot of background players that sometimes aren't um, shown and whatever and it's it's always great to hear the the backer story of a brewery that you kind of forget yeah and I think um, certainly any brewery you have you kind of figureheads within that yeah and and but the important people the figureheads obviously clearly very important for setting a tone etc but it's often the people doing the spade work and they're fronting up the customers at the beer festivals and they're going into the bars and trying to sell a beer and bottle shops and they're doing a pretty tricky job yeah. and so it's uh it's great to hear and 
it's always a pleasure to hear someone as passionate about yourself. Uh, you are passionate about yourself. You are <laughs> I very fucking love myself. You're very passionate about you're very passionate about beer and conspiracy theories. Oh, fucking love conspiracy theories. And cheese and onion potatoes. I made up. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, cheese and onion. Um, but yeah, thank you very much for having me. Very appreciative. Pleasure. It's been great fun, and people can find Burnley Brewery online uh, and uh, Instagram and all those, and also follow Harry on uh, the socials as well behind the scene. Unless you're my landlord, in which case don't follow Harry. Harry doesn't exist. (laughs) He doesn't know I have Harry. (laughs) Keep that bond. (laughs) Uh, Um, But yeah, come down, have some beers with us. Thank you, beers with us. See you at Gabs, HSA. Thanks so much, Chloe. Been a pleasure. So that was it, Chloe Stanzel from Burnley Brewing. Wow, that was just a great episode. It was so much fun to record and Chloe was just a fantastic guest. Hopefully the background noise wasn't too distracting. I've kind of lowered it down in the post-edit there. It was a bit noisier in real life and uh, we kind of start recording at the tail end of the lunchtime rush and by the time we'd finished we were getting the, the start of the afternoon crowd coming in. So Obviously, Burnley is a, getting a more and more popular destination there in that part of town near Hawthorne in Melbourne. So make sure that you get down and visit. And it's a really lovely setting, kind of quite a nice, pleasant, comfortable place to spend an afternoon. And there's lots of different formats. You can drink the beer in terms of size and tasting paddles and things like that. So it's well worth the trip. And the beer, I haven't had a bad beer from Burnley yet. So I always enjoy uh, heading down there. Or seeing what exciting new things going to be in the can as well. I think one is coming up very, very soon, which will be part of the Gabs release as we record just during Good Beer Week in 2019 here in Melbourne. As it is Good Beer Week, if you're listening in real time, I'll be out and about at lots of different uh, Good Beer Week events. So make sure you say hello if you see me and. Uh, I'd love to talk about beer and catch up. Always good to meet any listeners. And if you're at an event or you're waiting for friends or you're having a pint, you're listening to the podcast, why not spend a couple of minutes just leaving a review wherever you get your podcast? Thanks to Alex Armin Tamzarian, L, who left me a five-star review, which is brilliant. Thank you, Alex. I, I do think that I remember a Simpsons episode where Armin Tamzarian was revealed to be the real name of Principal Skinner. Now, Alex, if you have coincidentally got that name, that is the best thing. Or if your parents named you after Principal Skinner's real name, I mean, that would be incredible. I I want to meet you, Alex. So (laughs) thanks so much for leaving a five-star review. And it provides me with a lot of encouragement because I put out this podcast on my own. So any encouragement is always really motivating. So Alex also said that, It'd be great to do a live recording of this, which I've mentioned before, where you'd get to taste the six beers that the guest is talking through in real time. Like, I don't own a bar or a facility to do this, but I'm sure someone listening does. So let's make it happen. Get in touch, thechosenbrewau at gmail.com or through Instagram or Facebook or Twitter or thechosenbrewau.com au.com where there is a contact page that will pick up the email from there thanks alex for the review and also for prompting that idea back in my mind about the live recording because i think that would be a really really enjoyable way to spend an afternoon so 
I'll leave you with a little snippet from my other podcast, The Wheel of Sport, which has been going just over a year now, uh, which I make with my good friend Matt Lavery, where we tell the greatest sports stories ever told, and sometimes the greatest sports stories never told. Uh, so we've had some really fun episodes to kind of delve into the back catalogue of sporting history, but we always try and uncover the human story behind it. And the So if you don't know a whole heap about sport and you're not particularly passionate about it, you can still listen. And hopefully, if you didn't know a whole heap about beer, you could still listen to The Chosen Brew, couldn't you? Yeah, I reckon. So the link to The Wheel of Sport is in the show notes, and you can click on that link and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts um, from that page, or you can stream it straight from that page on the Omni.fm player through your device or laptop or whatever else. So I'll speak to you soon. Hopefully I'll see you in person around Good Beer Week or uh, somewhere where sells good beer, and I'll leave you with one of the clips from The Wheel of Sport. Here we go. This guy, as I say, he's, he's earning 27 quid a week. He's 24 years old and he starts building this car and everyone's sort of laughing at him initially. He gets a team together. You've got to love his team. He's got Roger Doran, who's a shop fitter and a joiner, who ends up becoming his chief mechanic. <laughs> <laughs> he's, he's just fitting shops. And his cousin, you'll like his cousin, Barry Boer, <laughs> he's the woodwork teacher in the local <laughs> yes. secondary school. Of course he is. So they're they're the team, right? You've got a a shop fitter and a woodwork teacher and a drawer, (laughs) or a draftsman. Um, (laughs) And they start building this car. They've got no money, so but people are into it. So they go down the local technical college and borrow their wind tunnel to help them with the design. Local companies are giving them parts for free and tires for free or close to free. One company just forgot to invoice them. Um... Basically, because people are just so caught up in the romance of this guy just designing his own car. They're like, yeah. His, his dad's brilliant. His dad, Roger, gets involved. His dad, Roger, doesn't like you, doesn't want to go to the races. It's too much noise and faff. But he likes what his son's doing. So he helps with the welding. <laughs> um, welding the parts together, his dad. And he also, on the weekends, makes a, a supporters club, which he advertises in the local press. And uh, a couple of hundred people end up joining up. And I saw it's sort of like an, a 70s version of crowdfunding or something. Like, everyone's yeah. just getting involved in this, in this car that, that old Peter and uh, his two mates, well, his cousin and his mate, are just, just building.